Good morning, and thank you for joining us on Community Focus, where we look at the issues that matter in South Florida and the people and organizations that are making a difference. We are continuing our focus on services and programs for children, both after school, in school, and year-round. Last week, we spoke with Jimena Nunez from the Children's Trust in Miami-Dade County. This week, we're turning our attention to the Children's Services Council, an umbrella organization that helps fund many of the smaller nonprofits that serve children in Broward County. I am happy to welcome from the Children's Services Council, Kenneth King, Director of Public Affairs, and Dion Smith, Director of Program Services. First, let's get to know a little bit about each of you and your background. Kenneth, let's start with you. I'm the newbie. I've been in my role as Director of Public Affairs here for six months. I recently transitioned from Broward County Schools. I was an educator, administrator, district administrator, and moved to this venue. And the focus really was about children. I could focus on a lot more children in the work at CSC than I was able to do in the district and a lot more family strengthening, those kinds of pieces. So I'm enjoying the new work. That's great. Congratulations. And Dion, what's your story? I've been with CSC this past August, made 18 years. So I've been here for quite some time. Started as a program specialist and worked my way into the director role. I've been in this position for, I guess, about three and a half years now. Okay. Coming back to you, Kenneth, let's let you talk a bit about what you do with the Children's Services Council and your programs. How much does what you do align with what the Children's Trust does? Very much aligned. And I think from my department, which I'm the director of, it's marketing and communications. So I do a lot of the marketing and communications of elements that the CSC wants to put out in Broward County. What kinds of things are we advocating? What kinds of things are we supporting? What kinds of things that we want parents or the community to know up front that we stand behind? So it was interesting to hear what they're doing in Miami-Dade because what comes to mind is we're about to present our new family resource guide, which the CSC has put out year after year, which highlights programming, after-school programs, early learning centers that parents can contact. So we literally put out a guide in four different languages that parents can utilize that connects them to resources that they will need for their families, resources in Broward County. It contains articles, it contains advertisements, family-oriented programs. So really it becomes a guide for parents and resources in Broward County. So we're excited we'll be able to deliver it to all of our community partners, So you'll see it at our resource fairs. We deliver it to schools. Wherever we are engaging with the community in Broward, we're putting that in the hands of of parents. And we not only have it physical, we actually have it digitally on our website and people can kind of go through those kinds of things. So in my department, from a communication engagement standpoint, that's one of our premier pieces to really give parents the resources they need to strengthen their families. Yeah, I think I still have some of those from 10 years ago. So anytime I would see one, I'd pick it up knowing, oh, I can use this as a guide. Correct. Um, And it was always a beautifully published piece of information. Now, if someone wanted to access it digitally, how would they do that? 
So we have it PDF and QR code on our website, cscbrower.org. So you'll be able to do any of those things. And we'll do a press release and all of those kinds of things presenting that new document. Okay, I do get your regular emails. Good. And they're perfect. Everything I need to know, what events are coming up, what initiatives you have, and I'll go and go, oh, yep. got to get something going on this. So it's really, really helpful. Dion, tell us about your position and in what way does it differ from what Kenneth does? So I'm Director of Program Services, and within CSC, we have a department that oversees all of our program offerings. And within our department, we split between two sides in home services and out of school time services. And I get the pleasure of overseeing our out of school time services from kindergarten through high school. Okay. So with your experience with these out of school time services, was I correct with the age range that I believed was most of concern for finding programs for, or does it extend to all ages? I would say that yes, your primary theory is on point, but I would tell you that our community collectively is struggling around the quality after school services, feeling comfortable in this post-COVID space, dealing with parents being able to connect with their young person, helping foster emotionally healthy young adults, and having safe spaces that are engaging and captivating for them to want to participate in. Because once you get to that fourth, fifth grade, kids start telling their parents over and over, it's boring. I don't need to be here. I could stay home by myself. And then when they transition to middle school, everyone collectively is saying that I don't need someone to watch me. I can watch myself. Don't you trust me? I'm yeah. mature enough, etc., etc. <laughs> Um, having personally lived me. it, <laughs> personally lived it with two children and one more coming behind them, I know that challenge as a parent all too well and then professionally in terms of the area of responsibility that I have here at the council. In your 18 years there, you have to have seen changes and certainly the whole COVID put everybody's world upside down. How did these experiences with children change? pre-COVID to post-COVID? Were there as many issues that you had to deal with prior to COVID or did they just change? So I think COVID changed the landscape in a lot of ways. One item that we're struggling with is we're seeing a significant uptick in mental health challenges with young people. Schools are struggling with violence in schools, unfortunately. And so we're in need of different interventions to support young people and the school district in their efforts to educate young people the best way possible. The other thing that we're seeing as a result of COVID is absenteeism. And so kids aren't going to school and therefore they're not coming to after school programs. And then secondarily, families are feeling more comfortable with the idea of their children going home immediately after school because during COVID they were at home all day and in many spaces, fairly unsupervised. And so why have them in a program when for two, two and a half years, they were home alone anyway? And so part of it is re-educating the public about the benefits of after-school programming. And it's not just about babysitting. It's about creating social experiences for young people to work on relationship management, learning new skills, creating new friendships, 
both with adults and with peers. And then, of course, the obvious, the things like homework assistance and things of that nature. What kind of language can we use that would speak to kids? Because when we say, oh, you know, it's a great opportunity for you to engage in your mental health. (laughs) And you go, what are you talking about? The parents will get it. But how do we phrase it in a way that children will respond? I think one of the things that we have to realize is that as children mature, you have to use language that they understand. And one of the things is, is you have to characterize and give voice to emotions. So sometimes as adults, we realize what our emotions are and we can characterize them. But for kids, they need that model and connect it to experiences. And one of the things, and I'm gonna connect this to one of the things that CSC is about to launch is we're actually in the next few weeks launching a storefront at Junior Achievement that is going to focus on mental health in the fifth grade space as as emotional growth. And in the eighth grade space, we're actually focusing on occupations in the mental health world. Because what we're realizing is that we don't have students who are leaving schools who want to be therapists or psychologists or mental health workers or teachers. So we're trying to build that piece that that's a career that people can look at. And in the elementary space, we're really trying to give voice to having kids understand their emotions having them do exercises where they can do self-soothing pieces, those kinds of things. Because as we talk about the isolationism that we all occurred to some continuum in and during COVID continues with kids, and we kind of have to give them some strategies in order to deal with those pieces. Do you have organizations like NAMI, National Alliance on Mental Illness? Their walk is coming up October 7th. We're supporting that you know which organizations do you partner with and would it make sense for us to reach out to some of these and bring them together with what you're doing yeah we've had a ongoing relationship since the msd tragedy with the center for mind body medicine it was initiated by the school board of broward county to bring that resource to children in schools we piggybacked csc piggybacked on that relationship to try and bring it to the community So we would have a cadre of trainers that provided service to the schools, and then we would have a cadre of trainers who would provide this resource to the community at large, focusing both on adult and children, because we know parents have been impacted the same way children have been impacted, and everyone's struggling with trying to figure out coping mechanisms and strategies to navigate MSD, COVID, all the social unrest items that we've seen over the last couple of years, and then the economic challenges that our communities are facing. And folks need tools, children and adults. Kenneth, do you have, say, a calendar for the year where in March you're planning for April or May, and Mm -hmm. you could send us that information when you're planning it so that we could include events on our websites. So the timing, again, is on target with what you're doing. Yeah. And one of the things that comes to mind is we do Broward Aware, which is a four-month campaign around Child Abuse Awareness Month, which ends in April. So we do all of these mini pieces in order to build to a culminating event in the spring. So that's one of the things that we bring resources, providers, all of these other kinds of things together to kind of 
coalesce at the end to have a big event. And that's calendar. So you would know what resources we're promoting, those kinds of things. So that is definitely something we could provide. That would be great. Are there particular things, if you had to narrow it down to say your top two or three issues that you need to get messaging out on, what would it be? I think I, I, I'm going to go with two. I think my big piece was in my marketing and communication department is having families use the resource guide to its full capacity and utilizing all of the information there. And I think the other pieces is, is I have the fortunate piece in my department that we cover food instability in Broward County. So we do work with providers that provide people who are in that in-between who need to supplement food. So we have different opportunities where families can come and pick up groceries and vegetables and those kinds of things and knowing where to go. So yeah. being able to advertise where that assistance is would be magnificent for us. Dion. So what I was thinking is we talked about the idea that at least we do here in Broward County talk about being resource rich and the lack of just general knowledge. And so I like the idea of you all helping to promote the plethora of resources we have available because that's where I think families struggle is they believe they're in isolation. No one else is struggling with this. So there's not an answer that I can tap into. And I would put a big plug again, 211. They are the conduit for accessing information across counties. When you call 211, it gets directed to your county's 211 to help you with the resources you need locally. So just promotion of 211, but also putting the message out, there's probably a resource. Don't assume that there isn't an option to help you in your circumstances. The other thing being, again, promoting out of school time, not just for elementary school, middle schoolers, high schoolers also can benefit from out-of-school time programming that has a structure that provides engaging adults that they can have connection with, work on skill development, and a whole host of other things that will keep kids engaged academically and hopefully support them getting to graduation. And then the last thing that I have here was normalizing access of mental health services. Kids are struggling with two major things, anger and anxiety. Mm -hmm. I'd probably add depression because we've mm -hmm. seen an increase in suicidality as communities and not waiting until there is a full-blown crisis to say, hey, maybe we need to talk to the social worker or guidance counselor at the school. Maybe we need to seek out an independent person in case you don't want to get the schools involved because folks have a lot of stigmatism related to that. But let's not wait till we're calling an ambulance and not wanting to recognize our children are struggling and parents, too, that they may be struggling and aren't being the best parents possible because they're not addressing their own emotional needs. OK, I mean, this is a lot to take in, but you have really helped me clarify the key takeaways. Number one, help is there and services are available for just about any situation you can think of. Call 211. That's simple. They will direct you to the correct organization to help solve the problems you're dealing with. The crisis line is open 24 hours, and you can also always find information at 211broward.org. Then number two, 
Check the Children's Services Council website regularly at cscbroward.org, and you can find out when they're holding events in your area, and of course, to see the 2023-2024 Family Resource Guide. You can find it under the tab for publications. It is available in English, Spanish, Creole, and Portuguese, and you want to talk about comprehensive There are sections for child abuse, domestic abuse, if you need help with clothing, emergency shelter, disaster relief, financial aid, food services. I'm not kidding. This is all there. Housing, transportation, special needs services, employment assistance, health care services, programs for boys, programs for girls, legal assistance, mental health. They've got contacts for all the schools, phone numbers, websites. They haven't missed a thing. And again, that's at cscbroward.org. That is the Children's Services Council of Broward. I want to thank you again, Kenneth King, Public Affairs Director, and Dion Smith, Director of Program Services at the Children's Services Council of Broward. Amazing help. We appreciate your support so much. Joining us now on Community Focus, as we've just heard, mental health for children is a big concern, but we also know that mental health for all people is a concern. Things have gotten worse since the pandemic, but there have always been issues, and we talk about it more and more because we want people to not be afraid to talk about it. So joining us today from NAMI Broward, that's the National Alliance on Mental Illness, Broward affiliate, we have Lauren Carrillo. Development Coordinator. Good morning. Hi, good morning. And Sylvie Sterling, Program Director. Hi, Sylvie. Hi, how are you? Thank you for having us. Oh, I'm so glad you guys are here because I'm very excited that we're going to be participating in the NAMI Broward Walks next week. But let's first talk about NAMI, what it is, what your mission is, and your vision. Sylvie, as Program Director, I think you could address that. Yes, thank you for asking that. Yeah, um, NAMI is a part of a larger national alliance on mental illness, and we are the local affiliates, one of many local affiliates here in Florida. And we are so proud to be on the front lines of reducing stigma towards mental health. We are a mental health organization here in Plantation. We have a unique approach on providing mental health services. We provide what we call peer support services, and we have peer programs programs led by individuals with lived experience with mental illness. So we don't have a therapist or psychiatrist or mental health professionals on staff. We have individuals with lived mental health illnesses that lead our groups that provide many of our services. And they've been trained, right? They're NAMI trained. (laughs) Right. And I understand that someone who's been through a situation can understand what someone else is going through. If you think about cancer, for example, people can certainly relate to that. Someone who has had cancer understands what someone else is, you know, they're losing their hair, they don't feel well. And it's the same thing with mental illness. It's always good to know that you're not alone. How has the peer process improved, do you think, the success of the program? Yes. You know, many people, you know, still have a stigma around mental health and mental illness, what it looks like, who has it. 
a lot of times we think of someone with mental illness as someone who's walking on the street talking to themselves. And what we do here by having peers lead groups or provide the services and they're trained, we see that people start to reduce the stigma slowly but shortly. People who were hesitant to meet with mental health professionals, they begin to see that it's not so bad to meet with a psychiatrist because their peer mentor here at NAMI meets with their psychiatrist. Their peer mentor meets with their therapist. And so we see that it it starts to, I, I like to think of it as we're bridging the gap for individuals yeah. to receive mental health treatment. It's a step forward. It's a step into actual treatment with someone who is a professional. So you're not replacing and you're not saying that professionals don't have a place. You're actually helping people move into that place. Exactly. And that's what our peer support individuals do here. You know, whether they're peer mentors, whether they lead support groups here, everything is going back to the professionals because we know there's a huge stigma. Oh, I don't want to see my psychiatrist because I'm not crazy. I don't want to see my therapist because I don't need anybody to talk to. But when they hear that their peers are doing it and their peers are normal and their peers are picking up the phone, calling them and just living a normal life, they're like, you know what? It's not bad. And we start to hear people wanting to get connected to different resources out there related to mental health. I have been hearing from a lot of nonprofits lately that funding is being cut. So that's where NAMI walks come in because you have to find other places to get the funding for your services. Lauren, you're on. Tell us about NAMI walks, what we can expect and why people should go. All right. Thank you. So NAMI walks is our annual fundraiser that really ties in everybody in the community. It's open and it's free to the public. And it's really to unite everybody to magnify mental health awareness, promote mental health and wellness. And we encourage people to, although the walk is free to sign up and free to participate, you know, we encourage people to create teams or even walk as individuals, but to try to fundraise for us. Every dollar that is fundraised for NAMI Walks Broward goes straight back into our programs that Sylvie was explaining. And also at this event, you know, we have community organizations, a lot of hospitals, behavioral health, a lot of vendors. I believe we have over 40 this year. So the participants can walk around and also get information on the organizations in their own community. And not only for NAMI Walks as a fundraiser, but it brings out the whole community to get together. We have a great time. It's coming up on, you know, Saturday, October 7th from 8 to noon at Nova Southeastern University in Davie. They are fantastic at helping us put on this event. It takes place in front of their Alvin Sherman Library on the lawn there. Yeah, Nova Southeastern has been amazing with everybody. And so many walks are held there for a reason. The space is perfect and they are very generous at what they provide. And they've been fantastic. We've had it there the last few years. And, you know, they're a partner of ours anyhow, you know, and they support the mental health initiative and they've been wonderful. So we always have a really good time out at the walk. It's open and free to the public and to families. We have a lot of families that come out. We have, you know, a tent for kids with face painting and balloon twisting and all that fun stuff as well. I want to let people know that this is not just for people who've had issues. And and the truth is, I think we all at some point have had some sort of mental health challenge, whether it's depression or insecurity or feeling socially awkward, you know, those all fall under that umbrella. You don't have to have something like schizophrenia to have a mental health challenge. Correct. And going back to what Sylvie was saying, 
saying when people think about mental health. I think people tend to think of the extreme end of mental health, but you're exactly right. Anybody, the person sitting next to you, you know, your boss, your friends could have something going on with mental health. We all have. I have anxiety, you know, now and then, you know, kids in school are getting anxiety. So really the walk is open up to everybody, anybody who wants to participate, anyone. You don't have to have anything going on per se with your own mental health, but you might want to be supporting a friend or a family member. And isn't it a great place to meet other people who are going through similar challenges? It's fantastic. I always say when this walk is completed, my heart always feels so full because I feel like we do join a lot of people together that are going through similar things. And it's people who have never met before and performing these relationships that last. Personally, I have made so many connections through Mommy Walks that I'm so grateful for. Yeah, it's actually in a way it's a peer support group just outdoors. Exactly. Very So where can people sign up for the walk? People can sign up for the walk by going to our website, the walk's website, which is mommywalks.org slash Broward County. Do you have to sign up? There's no charge. Do you have to register when you get there? Yes, you can register. We will have a table for people who have not registered online yet. Registration, if you do go online, it's super fast, super easy. It's, you know, just to keep account of how many people we have. But if you're not able to do it before Saturday, then yes, you can sign up once you get to the event. I mean, we already have close to 800 participants signed up already. Oh, that's fantastic. Oh my gosh. Once this walk is done, and let's say all of these 800 people do some fundraising, and let's hope they've hit your goal. What is your goal for the walk? in terms of funding? Our goal for the last year is 180000 Very reasonable. Yeah. And how does that go toward the programs and what are, can we like break down some of the specific peer programs that people can participate in? Yeah, so some of the programs we offer here, we have support groups and it's all about mental health, but it's not specific to any particular diagnosis. So we have peer support groups for individuals living with mental illness. We have our family support groups, which are very popular as well for those family members and loved ones and spouses who have a loved one living with a mental illness. And sometimes you don't know what to do from day to day. We have support groups throughout the week and month for you to join in with other families to just kind of vent about what you're experiencing, what you're going through, but not just vent, but find different resources and hear different perspectives. So we have that. We also have our young adult support groups for young adults, college students that are experiencing mental health challenges. We also have our mental health education classes for both peers living with a mental illness. And we also have those classes for families to better understand how to help their loved one. We have a popular peer-to-peer mentoring program. It's called Mentor to Mentee, where we uh, pair you up with Again, uh, someone living with a mental illness, but but are managing and doing well for themselves. We pair you up for eight weeks and they're there to support you. And again, bridge the gap so you can start seeking mental health treatment. And we also have um, volunteer opportunities. We have our popular Ending the Silence presentation where we go into different schools in Broward County. And we have this big presentation. We have a young adult sharing their story about how they're overcoming mental illness. We've already been to different colleges and schools in Broward County. And we see young people starting to learn how to speak about mental health, how to approach it. And again, all of our programs are geared towards peer support and helping one person help the other. 
Yeah, and the whole ending the silence thing, that is so important to really get this conversation. I mean, it started, but to continue it and to make it okay, take away that whole stigma. In fact, I I don't even like using the word illness, although Mm -hmm. there are certainly people with illness. And those are kind of distinct from the daily emotions that we experience that are part of mental health. And Mm -hmm. I think if we can get people to think of it as, okay, I'm in a bad mood today and I kind of want to cry. Why? What's wrong with me? But to understand that moods are normal and cry is a way of releasing poisons from your body. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. No, you're you're right. You're, You're so correct, Ellen. And I'm glad that you brought up that point, because even though we use the word mental illness, a lot of times you will hear us say mental health challenges, mental health conditions. But you're right. You know, I have people call in and they have not been diagnosed yet, but they know they're experiencing some symptoms of anxiety, some symptoms of depression, and they just need peer support. So you don't have to have a diagnosis to come to us. If you're feeling any symptoms, if you're just feeling, you know, you're not the same person you used to be, and you haven't met with a psychiatrist, haven't met with a therapist, feel free to call us. We can pair you up with someone who can help you, again, take that next step. Can young people, children call you, or do they have to have a parent with them? Uh, right now, our programs are geared towards um, individuals 18 and over, but we do have a basics program for those parents that have uh, younger children that are experiencing mental illness or any mental health challenges and who wants to better understand how to help their teen. We have a program. We have a basics class that you can take. And then you know what? I want to mention this. When you take our classes, you will be qualified to actually facilitate classes as we continue to spread across different communities to hold groups and classes. So when you're coming here to learn, you will also be qualified to teach. Fantastic. And if a school wants you to come out and do a presentation, how do they reach out to you? What's the best way? The best way is to call the office. Our number is 954-316-9907. We have, again, that popular Ending the Silence presentation. Can you do presentations in offices and at companies? We love to do that. Absolutely. Same thing. Call the phone number 954-316-9907. Yes. Call the office. We have our um, in our own voice presentations where we actually send individuals with lived experience out to present to your staff, to present to your organization about their own journey with mental illness. Um, You know, it's all about having the conversation. So I think what's the best thing to do, let's send people to the website, namibrower.org. Have people call 954-316-9907. And best of all, see it in person next Saturday, October 7th at NAMI Walks Broward. And that website again, namiwalks.org slash Broward County. I encourage people to join us. Cox Media Group will be there. We'll have representatives from our radio station. I thank you both, Lauren Carrillo, a development coordinator, and Sylvie Sterling, program director with NAMI Broward. It's the National Alliance on Mental Illness. Come join us at the walk next Saturday at Nova Southeastern University. Thank you both for your time and for what you're doing for the community. Thank you so much for having us. Thank you so much. And thank you for listening to Community Focus this morning. If you have questions about today's show or would like to suggest a topic, please feel free to email me at ellen.jaffe, J-A-2-F-S-1-E, at cmg.com. You can also leave comments on our open mic feature on our app that you can download from the iTunes or App Store. We'd love to know what you think. 
And please join us again next Sunday for an all-new edition of Community Focus. Have a great day. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.